0: getting ready to start a new series today on atheism and atheists. What exactly is atheism and what exactly do atheists think? We're going to be uh, looking at some social media and some popular content of what atheists believe and why they're atheists. Stay tuned. Hi, this is John Hall. And this is Kathy Emmons. And we're from 101.5 Ward FM. And you've just fallen into the Theology theology pit. Pit. Well hey everybody, welcome to the Theology Pit. This is Theology out of Pittsburgh, and not to be confused with a bottomless pit, because you know what we say here, when you fall into a bottomless pit, you die of dehydration. I'm of course your friendly neighborhood host, Samson Kovach, and I am welcoming you to this wonderful edition of the Theology Pit. I'm trying a little bit of a different format here. So maybe you've noticed, but um, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was uh, atheism and, and you know, discuss atheists. What's, you know, kind of like what's going on with the whole uh, atheist movement and what do they believe and is it really tenable? So that's what we're going to start dealing with in this next series from the Theology Pit. So atheism is... Uh, generally seen in, in a couple different ways I mean it, it, it usually comes across as people who say that they are you know very well educated um, that they are I don't know very scientific uh, scientifically minded they follow the sciences um, they reject the supernatural there's there's really no single definition of of what atheism is, aside from the fact that they don't believe in a god or any type of god, and 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 this is where it starts to become a problem. Uh, they never define what a god is. Generally, what they do is they take kind of a mishmash of all of the religions, and they just they just broadly say religion. I'm just anti-religion. Or, you know, I'm, I'm anti-gods. Whenever you hear an argument like, you know, I just believe in, you know, one less god than you do if you don't believe in a, a pantheon of deities, uh, that's not true because they all have different attributes. So really, with atheism, you have a few different categories. Um and I would put you know agnostics in there as well, but let me let's let, let's get a kind of a working definition of uh, atheism here. That would be you would have your your hard atheists, okay, and these are people I call I call them hard atheists because they're very militant, they're very confrontational, they know for a fact that God does not exist. And they will tell you, they're usually the ones on you know uh, social media that is uh, proclaiming that you know God doesn't exist or it's just it's it's just a myth or um, you know anytime anybody posts anything they have to be antagonistic against it. Uh, anybody of faith, um, so that would be like my definition of like what a hard atheist is. It's that there is no God. And there is no way that there possibly can be. A soft atheist would be someone who says, there is no God, but we don't have all of the information. But the information that we do have really points to the evidence that there is no God, that God does not exist. An agnostic would say... There's, I, I, I don't really see the evidence, but that doesn't mean evidence isn't out there. So it might be possible for God to exist. So therefore, I just say I don't know. I'm, you know, agnostic, in that sense. Um, but then you have another form of of atheism uh, that I call religious atheism, and these are people of other faiths and of other religions who don't believe in God. And the reason why I say that is because the the word God has a certain connotation and a certain set of attributes that that make God God. Um, whenever we talk about anything, you get a word picture. If I say a car, you you have a, a a picture in your mind of of what a car is, whatever kind of car you're you're thinking of, it, it doesn't matter. They would all have similar qualities and you know, characteristics but um if i was a little bit more specific and in, in saying like a uh, you know like a, like a ford mustang okay well now you know you you get kind of a different opinion if i say automobile well then that broadens it even more that that could be every, everything from you know uh, military grade uh you know vehicles um to Uh, I don't know, little motor scooters or something, and and everything in between, Uh, cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. Uh, So when we're talking about God and we're talking about the attributes of God, somebody that says, well, God is everywhere. I'm, you know, I'm a pantheist. I believe that God is in everything and everything is God. Okay, that's a different God, a different concept of God than um, what a Christian would say a God is. And since The Theology Pit is a Christian podcast, um, we hold to Christianity as being the one religion that worships the one true God. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant or to dismiss any other uh, religions. It's that necessarily Christianity is is a monotheistic religion. So, therefore, we have to say our God is the only God in order to remain logically consistent with our own worldview. When you talk to a Muslim and they talk about the God Allah, they would say that Allah is the only God and the concept that Christians worship doesn't exist. Okay? So, while we would consider Muslims and Islam to be atheist and an atheistic religion because they truly have no God, they would then say the same about us because the attributes are different. And if you claim to be someone who believes in that there is only one God, then necessarily the default, and I know it's not a popular one in the, in the 21st century, is to say everybody else is wrong. So technically, athe- an atheist... Is somebody who is not a Christian. Just, I mean, that's that's probably the broadest definition that we can give. Now, you know, people that would say, well, you know, I I can't be an atheist because I worship, you know, God. Now, it's it's interesting that Christians were considered atheists um, by the Roman Empire early on when it started because um, we rejected the pantheon of gods. That they had, and refused to worship them, and because of that, they said, "You don't believe in any gods, so you're an atheist." It didn't matter if we were monotheistic or not; we were just considered atheists. But what kind of is sparking this is that I want—I wanted to do this topic for a while, anyways, on theology pit. And I, I think it's a good topic to do and just kind of talk about, you know, the attributes of God and, and what exactly do Christians mean when we say God, you know. Um, I follow, of course, different atheist sites and I've done lectures on atheism. I've uh, read books by famous famous atheists to, um, you know, get a per- better perspective. I've listened to atheist podcasts. Uh, I I would say that I have a pretty good handle, not a perfect handle on Atheism, but one thing that I learned is atheism, like Christianity, has uh, different flavors to it. You may have people that are simply societal atheists. Okay, they, w- which means that um, there's no reason for them to you know, fight against Christianity or fight against uh, uh, the Bible or anything like that, because as atheists they do recognize that there is an importance uh, that came out of Christianity and Western civilization and the culture that came from it. And they're under the mindset that even if religion is wrong, and they would believe it to be wrong, they would say that there is a benefit to it. Because let's say that, you know, uh, somebody said, you know, without religion, I would just be a mass murderer cuz nothing matters. I would just, you know, uh, be a sociopath. I wouldn't care about society. I would just, you know, destroy things, that sort of thing. A a, a a social atheist would say that it's a good thing that there is some kind of mechanism in place to psychologically bind that type of behavior. And if more people need to believe in something in order for them to benefit society, then it would actually be counterproductive for us to try to rid ourselves of that thing. So they 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 don't go to I mean these are people that don't go to church these are people that don't worship a god they don't believe in a god at all but they see the the benefit to it and they see the the benefits that Christianity has brought uh, when it comes to science technology medicine um, into uh, Western civilization and I I, I believe that uh, uh the um. Canadian uh, philosopher, Dr. Jordan Peterson, in one of his uh, lectures, and it might not have been on his lectures, it might, might have been on uh, one of, uh, he, he was a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he kind of brought up that, that point. Um, it was, I believe, a discussion that Sam Harris was having, and maybe Richard Dawkins, I'm trying to remember uh, exactly, but he posed the question to them about um, evolution and what impact uh, religion had on our evolutionary development and they dismissed him they just kind of brushed his leg laughed it off and and you know cuz because they look they're they're a form of atheism that sees religion as destructive and not constructive and so they refused to even entertain that question where somebody that is a, a a psychologist and somebody that is interested in, you know, the evolution of the mind as well as the evolution of the body. And, uh, you know, they they were concerned about that, saying, look, I mean, religion has always been with people. The, this, this sense of the divine, um, the sensus divinitatis, as it's called, has always been with us. So if it's always been with us, then what influence has it had? Is this the reason, and I'm just going to speculate here, is this the reason why we developed writing? Because we wanted to communicate... Information that we saw as you know important. Now people will say, well, you know, religion's just there to control people, and that's fine if you want to believe that, but it it doesn't negate this point that I just made. Even if it is there to control people, how did that controlling aspect of it then influence and affect us over the last let's say, you know, what four 5 6000 years of written history that we have I mean we we don't have because of the writings okay because of the history we can get an understanding of what life was like in general and we can see how it has changed and how it has progressed over time before that period you know, uh, history becomes geology. We have to go back and, you know, anthropology also in in a sense, and we have to go back and look through how civilization civilizations were formed, what they may have been doing, what they may have thought, uh, how it was developing. And are we developing at a quicker pace now? And it's interesting because I think that there's kind of a kind of a curve um when i look at you know the the cognitive understanding and and i've talked before about um you know our sin nature and the noaic effect of the fall which means that uh, sin affected not only our bodies but also our minds and the noaic effect would be that we have you know difficulty like reasoning and um thinking through things and coming to conclusions but it seems that with technological advances that have been put in place that's thought for us that we live in a time period where we have access to a lot of really really good information as well as a lot of bad information but the point is is that we have access to really really good information on just about any topic that you want uh you know, I I think that um, you know I, I I read a statistic somewhere that like sixty five percent of the entire world population is online, um, according to a research study done uh, last year. You know, I mean that's that's incredible, uh, but yet you still have students in college that turn in papers with spelling mistakes, grammar errors, um, people that can't read or write. They come out of school and they, they, they can't read or write. Um, I have a family member that was in uh, human resources for Walmart for over 20 years. And she would say, you should see how some people fill out applications. I and mean, this is you know basic education and they have spelling problems. Their penmanship is awful. Here we live in a culture with all of this information and yet we're losing these basic like you know cognitive abilities where if you if you read any um, any literature classic literature uh, especially like you know, turn of the century 19th century, 20th century uh, literature you will start to see patterns that emerge if you kind of pay attention to the school system. And the, what people were learning and at what age they were learning. Probably one of the most famous that you could, it'd be easy for you to check out if you're not a big reader, um, would be the um, uh, Sullivan series of Anne of Green Gables. And I, I reference that one more than any others. Uh, but if you read that book from Lucy Maud, Maud Montgomery, it was written in 1908 and it references back until, uh, I, I want to guess, like the 1880s. And she complains about, you know, her school, like, through it, because she's an uh, 11-year-old girl. And uh, it follows her from, I think, age 11 to age, like, 16 in that book. And a lot of it, is, is, it deals with her schooling and how, you know... at you know, the age of 15 or 16, she's all ready to go off to college. And, uh, you know, she's maybe 12 years old or 13 years old, and she's studying uh, geometry. And you look at the way that they did school back then and the way that they were educated. And it wasn't that you were educated just to pass a test. You were educated in order to be a well-rounded critical thinker. And you didn't do that by moving up in grades, you moved up in levels. And there are some people that are are trying to return back to that. But for example, they had things called the Royal Readers. Um, I think there might have been like five or six of them. And it didn't matter your age, you progressed through the Royal Readers. So while we have all this technology and all this advancement, we're having trouble actually Using our brains anymore and actually thinking, and we're more reliable, or relying, I should say, on um, you know blogs and things like that in order to inform us. Uh, one blog I came across recently was called an open letter to Christianity, and this is you know uh, I, I see these a lot, and this is basically people who have come out of Christianity have have written these type of things and, and, and what they say. But what's noticeable, and, and they say they're atheists now, but what's really noticeable is that. If you carefully read it and see how they talk about God and what they talk about and why they left, you could almost make the argument that, well, you were an atheist to begin with, you never believed in god um I, i've I've put it out there to atheists before. If you can you know explain to me why I believe what I believe. Uh, and then tell me why you disagree with it. I'm much more open to listening to you than if you just say something like, "Well, you just worship some invisible sky daddy and his zombie son." It, you know, it's like, well, nobody does that. Like, that's not even a, a tenet of of Christianity. It shows that you obviously have never even, you know, studied to show what you disagree with you you actually disagree with a caricature a concept of something that you made up in your head a genuine straw man a god that does not exist and then you project that onto everybody else with the assumption that if you don't know nobody can know and therefore you can destroy that, and you feel that you've taken it down. So, um, on this blog, this staff writer—and I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to, you know, publicize them on this here. But it's 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 kind of a snide uh, letter, and it. It just has a lot of really bad um, theology, a lot of really bad doctrines, a lot of really bad understanding. And we're going to spend, you know, probably this episode and the next episode um, looking through this. But it starts out, says, Dear Christianity. So she's. Addressing everyone here. Says, well, you've lost another one here. After years of believing in God, going to church, taking communion, and all the other things that revolve around Christianity, I'm giving up. I'm done. I was raised a Catholic, but am now in recovery. In fact, I'm an atheist now. And yes, I'm sure many of you Christians out there might respond, well, I hate Catholics too. So don't give up on all Christian religions just because you hate the Catholics. That's not fair to God and Jesus, right? Um, All right, I'm going to stop reading there because there's so many things I want to deal with in that. Number one, um, Christians do have this problem that they like to eat their own. They like to fight inside of of the religions, you know, in-house fighting. Um, They tend to look at Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, as not Christian, okay? They also, depending on the denomination, will polarize all denominations minus their own. So, even her saying, you know, don't give up on all Christian religions, okay? Christianity does not have different religions, it's all one religion. There are different denominations. But she's quoting that. She has that in quotes. So I'm going to be of the assumption that somebody has actually said that to her. And then the last sentence on there, that's not fair to God and Jesus, right? When Christians say that, if a Christian said that to her, I, I, I can understand because Christians believe that Jesus is God. Okay? When you see things like God and Jesus and i I've, I've i've actually heard people describe the trinity as god jesus and the holy spirit not as bad as the, the quran i mean the i mean that that is almost as bad as the quran i, I really should say um, because god ontologically within christianity which means is beingness the the being okay of of god is one thing the consciousness is our personality, okay, are three separate things. So we are monotheistic Trinitarians, which means that we believe in one what and three who's. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, not three gods, but one God, as the Athanasius Creed says. And because of this, to say that there's God and then there's Jesus is a category mistake and if a Christian has ever said that to her or if she believes that then yes the church has failed her and the the church is failing Christians to begin with we should never talk like that Um, in the Quran in um, uh, Surah 5, uh, 116 it defines the Trinity as Allah Jesus and Mary that's how they think that Christians think. We think that there is God, Jesus, and Mary. And that's the Trinity. Like I said, one step off from what Christians that may have talked to her articulated, that there is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So, that, you know, I see is a a big problem already. And then she goes on to say... um, that right there is the crux of the issue, and I love the fact that you use that word because it comes from the word cross. Um, the absolute refusal to accept the possibility that "quote unquote" God might not, might actually not exist. You seem to insist on it and use the Bible as your book of your your backup uh, proof slash evidence. This is my response: the Bible is not proof of the existence of God. And this is in bold now. Just because it is written down does not make it so. If that were the case, I'd write a short story that says I'm rich, then I'll show it to people when I go to purchase that really expensive car I've always dreamed of but could never afford. Hey, it's written down, so it must be true, right? Okay. What I would say to that is just because you say God does not exist does not make it true simply because you wrote it down number one this is a self-contradictory statement just on its face but let's give the benefit of the doubt here and and you know address this issue um, there are some Christians that say God exists because of the Bible that is not Christianity um, Christianity does not come from the New Testament Christianity did not come out of the New Testament. Christianity existed before the New Testament was written. New te- the New Testament is generally a, uh, you can look at it as a historical record of the beginnings of Christianity, especially you have the Synoptic Gospels, um, the Gospel of John, um, and the Book of Acts. And then, you know, Paul's letters, you can see that early Christianity, but they there weren't things that were written that prove that God existed. Actually, in the Bible, there's nothing that proves God's existence. It assumes it in that sense. Uh, there are no arguments for you know God's existence. So, people don't use the Bible to say that this is proof that God exists. Now, I mean... Let me put it to you like this. It's possible that you can, okay, through showing, um, you know, the prophetic elements and and that sort of thing. But most people don't say, most Christian apologists don't start there. And there are other arguments that deal with the concept of godness and what makes God, God. Now, the fact that atheists don't ever address this Um, A lot of times the arguments for the existence of God uh, are arguments that they have messed with, okay? They have changed the argument. And then they beat up on the change that they made and say, see, uh, God does not exist. So, we're not saying that just because something is written down makes it so, there are were lots of things that were written down at that time, and they're not in the canon of Scripture. Okay, we there there are lots of things, and we don't believe that any of that makes it so. The simple fact that something is written down shows that there was an importance to it, but it's the importance of what's being communicated, not the importance of the fact that it was written down. That here is you know a, a book of letters. Not like letters that are written, but just like, you know, alphanumeric letters that are in some random order that make no sense. Okay, we don't value that because it's not communicating something. So, there's a communication aspect. Um, but when we look at, you know, prophetic elements of the Bible and those sort of things, okay, uh, you can use the Bible. So, second... Here's my second problem with this, and we'll get into this more in the next podcast. She says, I have a challenge for all Christians who read the Bible regularly. Then she says in in, in, um, uh, in, in parentheses, I've never read beyond the Old Testament, something I'll get to in a second. Then she says, are you ready for the challenge? Here it goes. Okay, so here's somebody who's rejecting Christianity. All right, and even even if it's the Roman Catholic faith, doesn't matter because I know a lot of people are out there saying, "Well, Roman Catholics don't read their Bible, anyways." That's not true. Not since uh, Vatican II, and there are two poles within the Roman Catholic Church: one is of faith, one is of tradition, and one is of scripture. Okay, so scripture and tradition. So yes, as a Roman Catholic, you should be reading your Bible, the entire thing. But here's somebody who admits, I have never read past the Old Testament, and honestly. When we get to what she says, I'm gonna start questioning whether or not she has actually uh, read the Old Testament, because some of the things that she quotes, boy, are really taken out of context, or she is um, uh, pouring a meaning into it, or assuming that that is, you know, exactly what it's talking about, and you know that that becomes problematic. I see a lot of times. Hey, everyone. You can visit me at SamsonStick.com. You can email me Samson at SamsonStick.com or check us out on Facebook at The Theology Pit. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Theology Pit. Do us a favor and check out our website at SamsonStick.com. Tell us what you like or what you don't like and consider making a donation. Just send a buck to show your appreciation. It's more than just money. To us, it's an encouragement. SamsonStick.com.